Welcome to Pragmatic Live, Pragmatic Marketing's webinar and podcast series where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product teams. My name is Rebecca Callagers. I am the Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Marketing and more importantly to you, host of today's event. Now, many of you are familiar with Pragmatic Marketing, but for those of you not aware of us until today, welcome to the family. Pragmatic Marketing specializes in training companies and product teams on how to be truly market-driven. We provide techniques for listening to the market and gathering market facts, and then using those facts to shape strategies and drive execution. Every month, we focus on one of the boxes of the framework, and this month, we focus on distinctive competencies. And to help us tackle this box, I've invited my good friend, Mark Stiving, to join me. Hi, Mark. Hey, Rebecca. How are you today? Excellent. So Mark is a renowned pricing expert and one of our premier instructors. And for those of you who listen to our podcast, you'll know that he's also one of my favorite guests to have on as we always have a good time and a great conversation. It is great to have you here, Mark. Thanks, Rebecca. It feels like we're doing a podcast today, only this time we have PowerPoints, a live audience, and, and we're hoping for some audience participation. Absolutely. We're hoping today's conversation is not just between you and me, but between everybody on the call. Pressure uh, and we have huge. some super pretty slides, which, you know, we don't usually have on our podcast. But. All right, Mark, should we just dive in and start by kind of level setting for everybody, people who maybe haven't been in the pragmatic marketing training before or haven't been in a long time and kind of let them know what distinctive competencies are? Sure, let's do that. All right, perfect. I'm so I think that start. means I get to talk now? You do. You're the instructor on the call. I'm going to let okay. you take this one. <laughs> So distinctive competencies, we've all heard of core competencies. Core competencies are those things that companies are really good at. Distinctive competencies are something that a company is really good at and their competition isn't. And so they're distinctly competent at this. What this essentially says is that your competition doesn't have it. And now if we can use this and take advantage of it and keep pushing it, then we end up with a competitive advantage and we have to say, though, that this isn't, it's almost never a product feature because the distinctive competency isn't easily copied. And product features, you know, if you come out with a new product feature today, your competitor could copy that within a few months. So it's hard to build a distinctive competency around that. But we're going to see lots of examples today of, of companies that have distinctive competencies. Okay, so it's something that we're very good at that the competition doesn't have and it wouldn't be easy for them to get. Is that right? Correct. That's perfect. All right. Well, that sounds pretty straightforward. Let's, I know it's not, but it sounds easy. <laughs> so let's talk through uh, some companies, some brands everybody knows, and what their distinctive competencies might be. So one of my favorites, because I have a seven-year-old, Disney. Disney. Everybody loves Disney. But what do you I love about Disney? Uh, I love the whole experience of it. I love how they kind of think through everything and it's so planned out and we just get to go and um, kind of be enveloped in this whole experience. Love it. I think, yeah, I think experience is probably the best word to use with Disney. They provide a customer experience unlike almost any other company. I mean, you can think about going to one of their animated movies. I'm not sure what the last one I saw in the theater was. Probably Incredibles. Oh, that's a good one. But, but no matter which one you see, they're all fascinating. And it's such a great experience. And then you go down to the theme park. And, and once again, it's a fantastic experience. The things that they do are amazing. Um, I, I remember my, my parents live in Florida, and so I would drive from my parents' house to Disney World. And as you're approaching the Disney World exit, one of the poles that holds the power lines that run across the, the freeway is shaped like a Mickey Mouse head. Oh, wow. Right? Just that gets you excited. Yeah. Like, wow. What an experience. Now, now you, I, I've never done it, but you've done a Disney cruise? I've done two Disney cruises. Two? Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and tell us, is it is it like going to the theme park? Is it... So I haven't been to the theme park in years, but I actually, in a lot of ways, I think it's better. Um, I mean, they do an amazing job. So you talk about like the, the electrical poles being shaped like Mickey Mouse there, and they have all these sort of hidden Mickeys, and they manage to do it in a way that's super classy. But 
what I think about the Disney Cruise and the reason we've done two and they're pricey, so you know they have to be good. Yeah. But uh is that like they really thought about how each generation and each person on that boat is going to experience it and making it special for them. So, you know, my daughter has a brilliant time doing stuff by herself. We have my husband and I have a great time doing stuff on ourselves. We saw lots of people with grandparents there and they could all find stuff just for their age groups. And then there was also all of these family things and and they have it. So I've been on non-Disney cruises as well. Um, but like everything on the Disney cruise is exceptionally thought out. Like you never wait. You don't wait for boarding. You don't wait at dinner. And we're talking thousands of people there. And it's just really down to the detail. Uh, it's why we're guests there and not customers. Yes, they call everybody guests, which is nice. And, and the, I think the same thing is true when you go to the theme park. They, they put special effort into the standing in line. They're entertaining you while you stand in line at the theme park. There's a lot of line standing in the theme park. So, okay, so our Disney's distinctive competency is sort of that the details of the guest experience. Is that what we're saying? Absolutely. And, and so everything they do, they step back and say, what does the experience look like? You and I had a conversation a week or two ago. Um, I noticed that they do some business training classes. Mm. I want to go to one so badly because I want to see what the experience is like. Uh, just even imagine how they approach training differently could be fascinating, right? It could, it could a company be. who provides training, thinking how they do that would be really cool. It wouldn't that be interesting? Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, let's take a look at another one. So, so obviously, everything Disney does, they build around customer experience. This is a distinctive competency. This is what we know them for, and this is what they focus on. Is whenever they're going to do something new, they say, "How does this impact our guests or our customers?" Okay. All right. What about Amazon? Another another company that takes a lot of my money. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how we pick these? <laughs> apparently. Apparently. I owe them a debt. <laughs> <laughs> so Amazon is a fascinating company. If I were to say they had a single distinctive competency, and I'm not sure I could limit it to one, but if I were to say they have one, it's the fact that they leverage the technologies that they have. And so let's go through and really make that make that stand out. First off, we all know that these were the first online book retailers, or maybe not, but they were certainly the first ones to really take off. And because they dominated online book retail, they ended up taking you know Barnes and Noble and other brick and mortar bookstores, uh, putting a bunch of those out of businesses, out of business. But think about what they did next. Books are probably the most logical thing to sell online in the early days of the internet. But then they shifted. They took that technology, that retail knowledge they have, and they said, well, what if we take these relationships with the suppliers and the distribution channels and all the things we've done, and we tackle other parts of retail? And so they've taken this distinctive competency they have, which they know how to sell books online really, really well, and they could translate that into all of retail. And then they took that same distinctive competency, well, the fact that they, they sell books, they know books so well, then they create the Kindle. And now the Kindle is another thing that's just leveraging their distinctive competency, the fact that they dominate this book space nowadays. And they're able to compete with, with Apple and iPads and things like that simply because everybody knows them as books. And then we think again, Gee, in order for them to do everything that they've done, they've built an incredible internal infrastructure. Well, what have they done with that internal infrastructure? They then leverage that. So now they're selling Amazon Web Services and they're taking on you know, VMware and EMC and these big companies. But each step of the way, what they're doing is saying, hey, we've lived this life. We've, we know this technology really well. Let's see if we can leverage this into something else. It's an amazing company. Well, one of the things I find so fascinating about the Amazon example is this sort of ever-growing or at least evolving look at what their distinctive competencies are, right? That they haven't been static over time. They look each time and they go, with my business as it is today, with the competitive landscape as it is today, what am I doing differently? And they've, they've kind of expanded it um, in, in some very different directions than originally, again, it was the online bookstore. And you wouldn't necessarily have thought, oh, gosh, you know, they're going to be the host of a bunch of cloud services or, or even that they're going to not just sell everything 
under the sun, but they're going to act as a marketplace for everybody else to sell what they're doing, right? The engine behind a, a bunch of e-commerce platforms. And I think that's fascinating, that sort of evolution um, of their distinctive competencies. Absolutely. I think it's Bezos having this mindset that says, hey, once we've mastered something, how do we extend that to other places? How do we extend it into other things? One of the nice lessons to take from Amazon, though, is, okay, great, they dominated retail for a long time, and they're still the biggest online retailer, but they don't dominate it as much anymore because other people now know how to do retail. Other people can copy them. So these distinctive competencies, although they might give us several years of competitive advantage, eventually we might lose them, and we have to constantly watch and say, what's next, what's next? And that's a good point, because one of the, the brands that we talked about using up front here to talk about distinctive competencies was actually McDonald's, right? Oh, yeah. And yes. I know, right, we talked about it all being about the, the process and the, to be able to quickly deliver the same consistent product over and over was sort of the, the distinctive competency of which McDonald's grew up on, right? Yes. I was having dinner with the, one of our other instructors, Diane, a few weeks ago, and she said she had just seen the movie Founder with Ray Kroc and McDonald's. And she said it was really good, so I had to go watch it. And it turns out that was surprisingly a good movie. I didn't expect it to be, but it really was. And when you see what made McDonald's McDonald's, it's the fact that they had this process where they're putting out very consistent product. And this is in a time when you would go to a drive-in where you'd have someone in roller skates coming out to you and they'd always mess up the order and it would take really long to get it to you. And yet McDonald's put together a process that just dominated that fast food space for a long period of time. Obviously that distinctive competency is no longer there, but it certainly did help them grow very, very quickly and dominate that space for a long time. Right, but to your point, there isn't another fast food place that doesn't have that competency today. Correct, most, most of them have that competency today. All right, so Disney, Amazon, great examples, but really, Mark, why does any of this matter? Well, click the slide and we'll find out. There we go. <laughs> Ooh, the answer is on slide seven. Yes. <laughs> so the big one is it's going to be differentiation. The whole idea is that if you have a company that's established a distinctive competency, whatever that is, and then as you release new things, you take advantage of that distinctive competency, and that is differentiation because your competitors can't copy it easily. That's the reason that we do this. Oh, there might be another reason too. <laughs> there might be. <laughs> there might be. The other reason is barriers to entry. Um, ideally, if we've, if we've established this distinctive competency that's hard to copy, hopefully it puts up barriers to entry so that other people can't compete with us as well. And as we go through, we've got a whole bunch of examples we're going to go through here in a few minutes. As we go through those examples, we're going to see exactly that, that in each one of these, gee, there's differentiation involved and there's barriers to entry involved. In fact, think about, you know, let's go back to Disney for a second. Um, is there differentiation? When Disney takes on something and Disney puts their name on it, just by them putting their name on it, you already know it's going to be an amazing experience. Before you ever show up, whatever it is, you know it's an amazing experience. And so that's differentiation that, you've, that they've created. And could anybody else create that easily? Could anybody copy them and come in and say, let's go do that? Probably not, right? Not, not unless they put in a ton of effort and time and money. So I think one of the other things that we talked about um, when we were putting together this webinar was uh, how distinctive competencies, what does that mean for a commodity? And I thought you had a really good point here that I, I hope you'll share with everyone. Sure. As a pricing person, I often get the comment that says, oh, we're selling a commodity. And I find that so frustrating because there really is no such thing as a commodity. Um, if, if companies think they're selling a commodity, it's because they've stopped thinking. And if Disney were to build anything, I don't care what it is, it's not a commodity. They would find a way to add something to it that makes it better than what anybody else builds, what anybody else has, and they'll find a way to get more money for it than, than their competitors are getting for it. So I find that this commoditization, is, it's an excuse that people often use 
but uh, it's, it's so rarely true, we just have to keep thinking harder. And we're going to see that as we go through our, our, our uh, exercise today. Yeah, and I think that's the exercise. I, one of the things we talked about was if you think you have a commodity, just think about what Disney would do if they ent entered your space or Amazon would do to enter your space, just as a way of kind of saying, look, you might think it's all the same. It's just that you're not applying your distinctive competencies. And so that is the exercise that we've put together, right? How would some of today's biggest companies behave if they've entered these known markets? So we are going to have a company, then we're going to talk through what that company would do if they entered, and we've got specific sort of product slash industry examples. So what would Disney do if they entered the Uber space or whatever the case may be? Um, and we're going to kind of talk through those. But this is where it all hinges on. This, all the pressure is not on us today, Mark. Oh, nope. good. Not on us at all, right? <laughs> because what we really, really want to do is to get people to kind of chime in, people to come in and say, okay, so we're going to show you a company. We're going to talk about their distinctive competencies. Feel free to chime in on there if you think that maybe we have a different distinctive competency for them than you think they do. And then when we talk about the, the different products that they're going to, the spaces that they're entering in this imaginary exercise, we want to hear everything you guys have to say. So you're going to put your thoughts in where it says Q&A. You're going to type those in, like doo -doo 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 -doo. Uh, And then Mark and I are going to read those out so that it becomes really interactive with, with everybody on the phone. So everybody's got their thinking cap on. Mark, so you have your thinking cap on? To be <laughs> I'll hope, I hope so. To be fair, we're probably, if, if everybody on the call participates, we probably won't be reading them all. But we'll pick and choose a bunch of them and, and bring them out. And, and it'll be fun, I hope. You don't think we can read 375 of them? Times nine times. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But, uh, but yeah, we're super excited um, to kind of see what everyone thinks about these. All right, any other instructions we need to give them, Mark? Um, you know, if we find something that's not working, we'll, we'll tweak it on the fly. Yes, that sounds like a plan. All right, so we're going to go back to our, our oldie but goodie, Disney. We've already talked about Disney and its uh, distinctive competency, right? It's all about that. Uh, the well-thought-out guest experience, right? So, Mark, let's say Disney was going to enter the exercise tracker, right? They were going to make their own Fitbit version of a Disney product. What would that look like? How would they use their distinctive competency to make that happen? Okay, so, so first off, let's make sure that the whole, all of our participants are thinking that exact same question. If you were running Disney, what would you be doing? Um, and you're going to create a Fitbit, smartwatch, activity tracker type product. Um, so, so, you know, one idea that I had on this one was what if they incorporated it into their theme parks? Mm. And so it, it was able to track where you went. Um, maybe it sent you a summary of your day at the end of the day. These are all the places you went to. Uh, maybe here's how much exercise you got walking from place to place to place. Interesting. I would have thought, too, like the characters, sort of the um, kind of giving it sort of an avatar piece. Maybe I could unlock other Disney characters if I walked far enough. Maybe it would suddenly talk in Mickey's voice versus Minnie. Oh, there we go. So different voices. Yeah. Yeah. I could earn them <laughs> by walking further. Yep. Okay. How about this one? This is from uh, Bruce. It'd be pink and look like a princess. <laughs> <laughs> or blue and look like a pirate. Oh, I love, I love that. Oh, this is going to be so awesome. Walter, biofeedback with respect to reaction to rides. Oh, like if I'm scared or not, so then I can't pretend that it didn't bother me. Oh, like yes. It. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'd love to see my heart rate when I get off some of those roller coasters. <laughs> oh, I love the offering of the fast pack pass access. I'd probably get one just so that I, you know, if I got like 10,000 steps and I wouldn't have to wait in line as long. Oh, wouldn't that be fair? That would be awesome. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love the Disney character fitness coach. I just picture everyone like, you know, Eeyore being like, come on, Rebecca. Yeah. You can do it. <laughs> Maybe Stitch would be like, come on. Yeah, okay, I obviously don't do voices very well, but I like the idea of them, you know, inspiring yep. me. Okay, so here's another one. It would remind you to drink water and put on sunscreen. Oh, yes, it would. So it'd be a health thing, right? I mean, that's, that's from Anders, by the way. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, there's so many of these. I know, they are. I love this. 
Okay. Um, how long are we going to go with one of these? I don't know. Oh, track your kids in case they get lost. That's a very Disney, right? Very family-focused. So not only would they be tracking my kid's fitness, but then, like, there'd be, like, a, a honing beacon. Yes. Like, bring me back my kid. That's yes. a really good idea. Mm -hmm. Where's my family function? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's from Dan. I'm just reading it. I, that was not mine. Right. Okay, well, th those are right. excellent. Let's uh, let's move on, guys. Thank you so much. Keep this up. You guys are fantastic. Right? This is see, awesome. All right. So now Disney is going to enter our second product, CRM system. Hmm. Okay. So uh, first off, how boring could a CRM system get? <laughs> <laughs> how interesting can it get? Really, right? I mean, yeah. that's well, not all that exciting right now. That's what Disney would be asking: is how do we make this more interesting? Mm-hmm. So I'll let you go first this one. Would you have any thoughts on this? Uh, you know, I feel like if it was Disney, they'd know everything about everybody. So I feel like they know that about me. I'll probably, you know, interact with them too, too often. <laughs> but, uh, gosh, let's see. Uh, I don't know. Okay. I, I, what would they do? Somebody help me. So what if we um, what if they built games into the CRM system? So if your sales, how many people have you contacted? Um, oh right, okay. So like they're oh okay, how many calls earns me points? Yes. This one has me it helps me connect to other fans in my neighborhood. So that CRM would allow me to get my Disney on. Oh. I love that. Oh, oh. oh, someone else has using, like, Marvel characters for your personas, right? So the CRM would track personas, and the personas would be different Disney characters. That's brilliant. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, offer incentives to make return visits. Hmm. Oh, how about this one? Insight into buyer personas. Utilize the data they have on all their consumers. Oh, Again, like they could tell you an awful lot about me. <laughs> <laughs> too much, too much. Let's see. Oh, Disney. family passes for people who complete the CRM form on time. Ooh, I like oh, it. I go. like it. There we go. Um, so another one that seems to me, just, this is a no-brainer, that Disney is going to put on training classes for CRM. And we know that their training classes would be way better than any other training classes for CRM. Except companies. for ours. <clears throat> except for ours. Except for right. ours. Mark. But we don't do oh. CRM, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty cool. All right. Use data for, from customers and what they purchase in Disney stores and online to decide what characters to kill off or promote. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine if you had to, like, save Daisy? <laughs> 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 That would be terrible. Instead of finding Nemo, it's saving right? Nemo. Like, look, if you don't want Sebastian in the pot, you need to. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Let's. All right. Should we move on to the next product? Disney's... Oh, wait, wait. You can't click okay. the button yet. Okay. Because this is our favorite. Yeah. This is so, our favorite. what would Disney do if they entered? You ready, Mark? I'm ready. All right. Bacon. Bacon. <laughs> Bacon! All right. Bacon, bacon, bacon. What would Miss Piggy branded bacon look like? Now, now, the reason we put bacon in here is because bacon is a commodity. Come on. I feel like the pig had a pretty big investment. It's going to be a little disappointed if it's just a commodity. Oh, Pumbaa bacon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, character-shaped bacon. Uh, bacon on a stick. Love oh. these. these. You guys are awesome. Bacon candies. Now packaging. I think packaging is one. Um, yeah, I think that's a huge part of what Disney does. They take graham crackers and they make them frozen graham crackers. And my daughter thinks they're delicious. Right? Oh. I mean, it's it's the same thing in a different shape and brilliant. This yeah. would not be a this would be a hard product to have both the bacon and the Fitbit, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of goes against each other. Right? Yes. <laughs> bacon flavored for the world you are visiting. Huh. Oh. So they oh, that's kind of interesting, like an Epcot tie-in. Bacon yeah. of the world. Oh, we could do like bacon flights. Bacon yeah, like flights, Teriyaki yeah. bacon, and you could have, I like this. They could have. Um, <laughs> Bacon-powered Death's 
car. <laughs> That's a great one. Okay, uh, so so one of the ones I thought of in packaging was what if they had part of their packaging is cardboard cutouts of characters that after you've cooked your bacon, you can put it on the cardboard cutout and serve it to your kids that way. Oh, I like it. Astronaut bacon from Tomorrowland. Cowboy, Cowboy bacon. bacon. That's what I would eat. Oh, I like bacon. this. Someone's really th okay. So Michael's like simplified cooking, zero mess, easy cleanup. Mm-hmm. Great, Great smell, smell, by the way. I like it. <laughs> Those are good. Those are excellent. All right. So, so before we go on, though, let's just take a quick a quick stop and say, if Disney were making bacon, would they charge the same as everybody else that makes bacon? No. No, they'd make a whole lot more. Because yeah. they're using their distinctive competency. And and that's really the power of this. Mm-hmm. That's a good it's a really good point, right? I mean, they're not gonna charge the same for any of those things. They're all gonna have a premium. Yep. Those frozen graham crackers, Mark, they are not cheap. They're not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but she eats them, so it's it, okay. It costs money to freeze them. Oh. <laughs> frozen characters. <laughs> we're actually frozen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's right. uh, let's move on. Do we have another company we want to talk about? We do. We do. We're going to talk about LinkedIn. This is one of your favorite examples, always. Uh, I love LinkedIn in so many different ways. And the funny thing about LinkedIn is that um, it, it's so different from Disney now. So when we think about LinkedIn, LinkedIn owns, what, everybody in the world's resume and hobbies and things like that. So it isn't, it isn't Facebook, it isn't a friendly thing, it's a business thing. So they know our work history and everything we've done from that perspective. And so what LinkedIn tends to do, I, mean, that, I would say that is their distinctive competency is that they have a network or a database of everybody's work history and contacts. And now how do they get more and more value out of that or the things that they think about as they put together new product offerings and capabilities? Okay. But, and, and so what happens if we put a product against that? I think that's really interesting because you don't really think of LinkedIn as a, a hard product type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So what does LinkedIn do if they enter the Fitbit market? <laughs> well, we would... Somebody <laughs> said they did. <laughs> they did? I didn't know that. Oh, how did that work? Somebody's going to have to look up lynda.com and tell us what it is real fast. Isn't lynda.com like training? I thought. I thought that was like training. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But, but here, um, someone, Nancy wrote, partner with insurance companies for corporate wellness programs. Oh, that's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. Right? I've got how exercise compared to other people in the similar jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us compete with our LinkedIn colleagues. Oh, nice. Coordinate sort of networking runs and walks. That's a great idea, right? Oh, yeah. Whole, whole new kind of power walk. Mm-hmm. Oh, neat sales targets. Like you could stalk people with your, <laughs> with your LinkedIn Fitbit. You're going to be yeah. at the... <laughs> okay, so Paul and Dan have one that's pretty similar, and I absolutely love this. I have so many people on my LinkedIn profile that I know, but I don't really know. Wouldn't it be great if, if my Fitbit could say, hey, you know, someone that's you're linked with is in the same room as you? Oh, or like, like oh, that'd be really interesting, like when you're at the airport, too. I always oh, figure, yeah. you know, when you have hundreds and hundreds of connections or someone, that's, that's a great idea. Yeah. When you're in the same city as some people, it's always, I know you travel a ton, Mark, and, and then talking to the other instructors, too, they'll often meet up with someone in, you know, Dallas that neither one of them lives there, but that's just where they happen to connect. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. Oh, understand how job career choice impacts fitness level. That'd be oh, interesting, like the fittest job titles, right? Yes. Hmm. Huh. Charity fundraising integration, that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I liked Walter's biological reaction to people <laughs> at networking events. Would it be better or worse than your reaction to, on the Disney ride? That would be, that would be the thing to find out. Oh, that's funny. 
Well, and, and so, so feeding in on that, maybe we have a quick interface so that we can tap who we were talking to and say like, dislike, or. Right. Oh, and they like a stress tracker by job type. That's also interesting. Right? Oh, yeah. What is the fittest job? Who's the most stressful job? Oh, check out this one from David. Advice on alertness, productivity based on time of day, activity level. Oh. Man. Coach you to reach your optimal work style. That's a great idea. Yeah. Right? Maybe, you know, work out those afternoon blues. Think about mm -hmm. it. That is great. <laughs> so I this is really funny. Do you see Lee? I did. Lee says, so I noticed your heart skipped a beat when you read my post. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. All right. I love these. Okay. So there's a whole ton of ways I would not have thought about doing that. That's brilliant. All right. Let's, are we ready to try LinkedIn for? Yep, let's do it. Let's do LinkedIn it. LinkedIn for the CRM. This feels like a supernatural fit, right? It seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? Right? Like, how do they not have one? Oh, maybe they do. Yeah. They are a CRM. <laughs> right? That's, yeah, that's pretty much well, it. Well, in, in a way they are, but, but they miss a whole bunch of CRM tools. When I think about using a CRM, I think about uh, when's the last time I called somebody, what did we talk about, what's the, mm. right? and, and so maybe there's a whole bunch of tools they could add on top of what they already have to make it super simple. Oh, to help you like remember to network with people. It's kind of like when they send out the reminders or they send out the notices about people's new jobs or promotions or anniversaries, but expanding on that so that you would know, oh, I mean, I need to, to keep up my networking regularly, this person I haven't reached out to in a while. Yeah, and so maybe I schedule the fact that I want to talk to you every week, and so LinkedIn re reminds me. Mm-hmm. Right. Use a sales funnel concept. Huh. Do you think they mean, I'm not sure what John means here. Maybe it's like, were you working your connections through your funnel in order to kind of get a connection? Right? Instead of just sort of randomly reaching out, will you connect to me, but how many posts did they read, what areas are they in, that idea, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that is interesting, yeah. yeah. And one of the things that happens, you know, I have my own database or my own email list and all this stuff. Wouldn't it be great if LinkedIn regularly suggested updates? Hey, you know, this person just changed jobs. Would you like me to update your database? Oh, that's a great idea because I actually – Keeping the information in the CRM is, is probably the biggest struggle. And I think one of the people, places that professionals update their information most regularly is in LinkedIn, right? It's, it tends to be the place where like, oh, that's their current job, their current post. So using that to uh, maintain the accuracy of the database would be a big advantage. Yeah. So, so I think one of the biggest challenges with LinkedIn, this is just me talking about LinkedIn and using my own. And that is that I have notes on people. Yes, I have notes on you, Rebecca. I <laughs> so you remember things like my daughter's name. I know. I know. <laughs> I have notes on people that, that LinkedIn doesn't necessarily have. And so there's two different databases. Mm. There's the private piece and there's the public piece. And, and having a way to keep the, all that organized and in one place would be awesome. It says, uh, Aligning support staff to customers with similar profiles and interests. That's fascinating, right? Maybe your sales territories aren't based by geography necessarily, but about some other things that they would have in common that they could leverage, right? Like, oh, you went to Syracuse? That's fascinating. What are the odds? So do I. Isn't but that the, neat? Yeah. 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 So, so you're essentially building a, a more friendly community as opposed to, yeah, I'm on the West Coast. What do you want? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. Okay. So we do, I find this next one the hardest one. Really? Yeah. When I thought about these ahead of time. The networking bacon? Yeah. <laughs> How would LinkedIn do bacon? The, the notes I made for myself are question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> uh, let's see. So what they're really good at, their distinctive competency is this growing network, right? So I guess if nothing else, maybe that's how they spread the word. Okay, so, oh, man, look at this. These people, we're getting tons of these, right? Uh, networking breakfasts. Oh. Meetups with bacon. Ensuring that other foods enter the bacon market. Chicken bacon, turkey bacon. Mm. Okay. Oh, bacon with edible business like cards. That's oh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I may not keep your information, but I won't forget. 
Oh, look at Jeff English. We help you bring home the bacon. There you nice. go. Nice. <laughs> Lee's was similar. Bacon, not bringing home enough of it. Right? This is all, <laughs> this is This is how you, ah, see? That was clever. That is clever. Mm-hmm. You get, oh, if you buy the bacon, you get a new connection. So you kind of like earn connection points through your bacon. <laughs> so least healthy networking plan. <laughs> <laughs> I think bacon takes a bad rap for this health thing, you know? Right? It probably depends how much bacon you have. Awfully good. It does. Okay. All right. What do you say we move on to something easier? All right. Let's move on to a new company, Zappos. Okay. I, you said you were going to go buy some shoes, did you? I did not. I love shoes, but I've actually never used Zappos. Oh, neither and have I've I. lived in Vegas for 12 years, which is where they are, too, so... Neither have I. But is it fair to say that we all understand that Zappos' distinctive competency is customer service? I certainly hear about it a lot, so yes. Yeah. From I what I understand, they wear the shoe and return it anyway. Yeah, they let people try it. They ship you a bunch of shoes. Which one do you like? Keep it. Send the rest back. Um, they answer the phone when you call. <laughs> you can't even find a phone number for, like, Amazon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Or LinkedIn, it's the same way, so right. that's impressive. Yeah. All right, so Zappos with their outstanding customer service. Yep. They're going to enter the exercise tracker Fitbit space. Okay, excellent. I think they're going to tie them in with the shoes. Oh, they could tie it in with the shoes, absolutely. That's a great oh, idea. Oh, they could send you notices that say, hey, judging by the number of steps you've done, you may be in time to order new running shoes. Oh, oh, oh! How well do those new trainers help you perform? Oh, so which shoes are you wearing? Which exercise? Oh, right. So your optimal, yeah. Nice Steps per shoe. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. RFID in shoes, so it's more accurate than the Apple Watch or the Fitbit itself. Oh, it's built right into the shoe. I like it. I know that's pretty cool. So I gotta say, I was thinking. Oh, here Bruce is thinking closer to the way I was. He's got one button return or buy. So I was really thinking that you know they've got a bunch of different versions. Let me ship you some, try them. So a lot like what they do with the shoes. Mm. Right. Yeah, David had one very similar to that as well. I like this one. I love people to set a goal of steps per minute, and if they do that, whenever they get hit their goal, then they get to you know a discount or a reward for some new shoes. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? On the reviews, they could. Oh, that's a great one, Jeff. On reviews, how many steps people get out of their shoes before they replace it? Like this is a five hundred thousand step shoe. Yeah. Okay. Did you see Andy's? How are you walking? Will it cause you back issues later in life? Oh. Isn't that amazing? Oh, I like that. <laughs> Measure the heart rate responses to shoes when they are received. <laughs> I'm giddy. Look at my shoes came. Yeah. <laughs> mm. All right. So, okay. Would you do me do us a favor, uh, Rebecca? Uh, you'll notice Christian's comment I, that said that she was confused. He or she was confused. Yes. Could you just recap what we're doing for anybody who's joined us? Since Absolutely. So if you joined us a little bit late, this is what we're doing. We are talking about companies, brands that we all know and love, um, at least all know, and what their distinctive competencies are, right? And then we're showing kind of the power of distinctive competencies and how. Um, and how it can help differentiate your products. It can create barriers to entry for other people, but it can also kind of ensure that you don't have a commodity, right? It adds value to the product. And we're demonstrating that by kind of talking about what those brands would do if they entered these product spaces. So what would Zappos do if they entered the Fitbit category? What would uh, Disney do if they entered the CRM category? How would they use those distinctive competencies that they are they have as a company to make those products that already exist and you know there's a lot of them uh, really unique and valued? That was perfect. Is that perfect. I hope so. Yep. I hope that makes yep. sense for you, Christine. Uh, but yes. And before we move on, we got to point out Anders because I really liked it because. Um, I, we've heard this before already, track the mileage, prepare shoes, remind to buy a new pair after a limited number of miles. But it got me thinking about 
how um, some tire companies are selling tires now by the mile. And, and so Zappos could do the exact same thing. Sell shoes by the mile, though, not tires. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Would you get like a warranty, like a 100-mile warranty on your shoes? <laughs> no, with road hazard. <laughs> Roadside road assistance. Like I just can't walk anymore. Please call Zappos. My button. Come get me. Okay, let's uh, let's move on. All right, Zappo. Oh, where? Oh, what happened? I don't know. We jumped at the uh, beginning. We did. All right. I'm going to quick recap here. Uh, Zappos and the CRM. Hmm. Well, you so the first thing sales. they would do with oh. CRM is they would have someone who answers the phone when you called for help. <laughs> oh, right. So yeah, that was your people answering the phone. Uh, using past sales against the usage of the shoe to make recommendations. That's interesting. Hey, you liked these shoes and you use them a lot, which I think is true. It's a good point because we often have lots of shoes that we love but maybe don't wear either ever or very frequently. You probably don't have that problem, Mark, but I have some really cute shoes in my closet that stay there. <laughs> but I'm uh, sure I'm the only one. Uh, ooh, matching clothing suggestions. That's interesting. Hmm. Zappos and the CRM. They clearly have their own because they, they track with great customer service, right? They oh, track surely. stuff. Yes. Oh, understanding how often someone buys shoes and recommending shoes at the right time. Yeah, so if we, if we step away from the shoes piece for a second, though, and talk about the customer service piece, right. what, what would CRM look like if you had a company that was willing to do above-the-top above type customer service? And, and that's really what we're striving at here. What do you think? What do you have in your ideas? Well, I had a couple. I didn't want to throw them out yet. But Peter says, offer a weekly half-hour session with each user to ensure their CRM is kept up to date. Oh, right? okay. So you, could have a, you could have proactive coaching sessions. Oh, it's kind of like the Google AdWords guys. They're great because they help you. I mean, they help you take spend your money with them, but they do a really good job of maximizing your pieces, and they do that through the personal interaction. Mm -hmm. It's a great idea. And so Dennis has fully uh, set up the customization you need for your CRM. <laughs> and then I, I don't know if Justin intended this when he wrote it, but but what I just read out of here, this is what he wrote. Required contact field, current favorite shoes. Then use data science to predict sales for new prospects based on shoe data. So, so what I was curious about is if we had their current favorite shoe in there, could we then use that to correlate with other behaviors and activities? Mm. Certain people like certain types of shoes. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, money back, no questions asked if you're not happy with your CRM, of course. Yep, allow end users to create user profiles based on their lifestyle. So adding more sort of psychographics in there. Yeah, self-service, find ways that people can help themselves. Excellent. Yeah. All right. I, so we have, I think in the end, they want you to be successful, so they're going to do what it takes to help you be successful, help you succeed. So we did get a question from someone who said that this was really interesting, and all of these, though, are more sort of B2C examples. And could we do the same exercise with a B2B example, Mark? So when we say uh, B2C examples or B2B examples, the products, we have uh, two B2C products. The CRM is really a B2B product, mm -hmm. but the Fitbit and the Bacon is certainly B2C type products. Yep. Um, the companies that we're using are pretty much all uh, B2C companies. And, and the only reason we do it this way is because it's common. Everybody knows these companies. If we were to take a, cu a customer or a company that's in a specific industry that has a, a really clear, distinctive competency, 
and yet it isn't B2C, then you know, probably 95 or 75% of the audience doesn't know what we're talking about. Mm. And so it's just easier for us to say, let's do this with the B2C companies, but the, the exact same thing works in B2B. And I'd even say some of the competencies that we're talking about, great customer service, doesn't have to be a B2C piece, right? Um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What are some um, B2B, what, what are some other distinctive competencies that you see, uh, that you see in B2B companies? Well, there's one B2B company that I would say does a fantastic job at knowing how to train product teams. It is a distinctive competency <laughs> that no other company has. Why, who would that be? <laughs> uh, Sean here says Disney runs corporate events as a major revenue stream. Um, Amazon AWS is clearly B2B. Uh, Vanessa guessed the right answer, by the way. <laughs> Good job, Vanessa. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> you can stay. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I see. So, what she was, what uh, Phil was really asking, apparently I just got it wrong, was uh, how to craft a distinctive competency to a buyer rather than a user. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I don't know I'm that not I... Sure we, I'm not sure we craft distinctive competencies to buyers or to users. We craft distinctive competencies around what helps us be successful, and then we can take that same distinctive competency and apply it to either one. So if we think about the Zappos example that we're going through right now, Zappos, their distinctive competency, customer service, is all about targeting buyers, not about targeting users. Now it turns out the buyers are probably the users in this case, but mm -hmm. it's the buying experience that they're so focused on as opposed to the using experience they're so focused on. Well, and I think that, yeah, I mean that great customers service is, is from the CRM example is both for the buyer, oh, I can return it at any time, no, no problem, and the user, right, those 30-minute sessions um, a week to help them use it. So it's that same distinctive competency, but it matters to those two groups differently. And I think that's probably true um, with all distinctive competencies. It's, it's how you're going to relate that value of it to the buyer versus the user that changes. It's not the competency itself. Yes, yes. Okay, we have uh, two other comments I want to touch on real quickly. Uh, John says, how about FedEx as a distinctive B2B example? Um, and I would say that's a pretty good example that a lot of people know about. Um, it's the reliable, absolutely positively has to be there overnight. Um, yes. So, and then Phil's comment was, click Ooh, how the would they slide. Do bacon? Wait, wait, how would FedEx do bacon? Oh, how would FedEx do bacon? How would FedEx do bacon? Bill was asking for bacon shoes. <laughs> so who doesn't want bacon shoes? Who doesn't want bacon shoes? So FedEx, I don't know how FedEx would do bacon. FedEx's bacon is freshest bacon possible. Mmm, like right from the pig. Right from the pig. <laughs> Although th I think they smoke it first. So. I was gonna say it must be cured, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So. Yes. All right. Do we have time for one more, do you think? Or uh, should we sum up our lessons? What do you think? We got 10 minutes. Oh, we got to, let's do, let's jump to Walmart. Can we jump to Walmart? Um, okay. I just, <laughs> we can jump to Walmart. Well, you have to click forward a bunch of times. I know, I was. When <laughs> you absolutely, positively need bacon. <laughs> bacon! <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> There's a lot of times where it feels like that, right? Absolutely. Bacon. Absolutely. All right. Walmart. What so is Walmart's distinctive competency? This one should be relatively fast, but Walmart's distinctive competency. It turns out their distinctive competency, we probably think of it as price, but it really isn't. Their true distinctive competency is driving cost out of their distribution, acquisition, uh, and, and their whole channel. And the reason they focus so much on driving cost out is because they do compete on price. Price is a big deal for them. But the, the actual competency behind that is how do they drive cost constantly out of their system? Mm. And, and so this is fascinating, right? We, we start to look at Walmart 
and how they're going to apply to all of these other products. And, and you can probably start to guess. It's pretty easy to say, how are they going to deal with uh, Fitbit or how are they going to deal with CRM or how are they going to deal with Bacon? Um, because it's probably going to be pretty similar in each one of those cases. But I, but I wanted to make sure that we touched on the fact that it, they really are driving costs out of their system every day. Let's, let's do it anyway, just for kicks. See if someone has some better ideas. Okay. So, so price would be lower. Walmart Fitbit, low cost, low price, absolutely. Right, and so, so they're going to try to find a way to make the, the price lower. Is there anything else they would be focused on? <laughs> Sell cheap units to everyone and make the purchasing process frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Someone's not a big fan. <laughs> Easy to access. I think that's a good point, right? That's one of the nice things about it. Where you would place it in Walmart, right? Packaging with other fitness equipment, putting it with shoes. Maybe you get a discount if you buy yep. so much exercise equipment with it. Yep. Let me touch on Lee's for a second. He says it depends on whether cost or service is the driving constraint. And I think that's you know great comment in the following sense. People who care a lot about service aren't buying shoes from Walmart. People who care a lot about service are buying shoes from Zappos. People who care a lot about cost are probably driving, buying shoes from Walmart. And, and so we're just talking about the distinctive competency may not target everybody in the world. It may not be there for everybody in the world, but it's certainly there for some market segment that you go target on a regular basis. Ah, quick checkouts. Love that one. Leverage the Fitbit information for sales suggestions. Uh-huh. <laughs> Greets you electronically <laughs> to eliminate the greeters in the store. Yeah, <laughs> it says hello for you. Way nicer than the way Seemeyer said it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, <laughs> Oh, payment link to the wearable checkout with Swipe Arm. That's great. Yeah. Uh, not just as Walmart, but use their scale for other retailers, too. That's a great idea. Steps to the next product on your list. So we oh. do store routing through the store. Oh, help me find my location. I like it. But then they would tell you the wrong thing so that you'd get more steps. Yes. They just keep to... moving the products from you further and further away. <laughs> they just get you to walk by the high margin products. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Tracking the time in store. Longer time in store means you get a bigger discount. <laughs> so Lee's doing the callback method. Use Fitbit sales to forecast bacon sales. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Converse, yes. The inverse proportion of ordering is what they would do. Yes. All right. So how yes. would they do CRM systems? If it's about cost, so it would still be a, would it be sort of like a bare bones CRM, but inexpensive? Yeah, I would say that that probably not feature rich if they were building a CRM system. <laughs> or as Andy said, badly. Badly. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a lot of Walmart fans <laughs> on the line. <laughs> Yes, no service oh, for you. <laughs> okay. So wait, wait, wait. Henry actually has a positive one. Listen to this. I would buy a Walmart Bless CRM given their competencies in logistics and high margins. Oh, that's really a you know, and I think that's a super valid point, right? They're just in time inventory, they're ordering yeah. Ooh. Uh, clearly they have a pretty intelligent one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right, Henry, you make a good point. Yep. Yep. Okay, let's do the last one so we can get done. Ah, man, this thing is not cooperating with me. Bacon, well, Walmart, bacon. 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 So they would obviously cut out well, the middleman. They do sell <laughs> bacon. Yes. <laughs> so buy in bulk, yeah. They, they would find a way yep. to cut out the middleman, do their own. Um, Maybe they'd have their own pig farm. Maybe you would just buy a bunch of pigs. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, cut costs by cutting quality some. Oh, that's sad. Sad. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
<laughs> Andy just said, or just sell you the pig and knife. <laughs> <laughs> a pig knife. That would be. Uh, all right. So we had lots of fun with our distinctive competencies today and our Fitbit CRM and our bacon. Bacon. But, you know, it was for a reason, right, Mark? Absolutely. All right. Walk them through what we covered today, what it means well, for them. So what we really did is we said, here we have all these different companies with all these different distinctive competencies. And if that company was entering this new market, what are the types of things they would be doing or thinking about? And how would that product look differently? And what we see is that in each one of those cases, because these companies have built up a, a strong distinctive competency, it's pretty clear what they should be working on and where they're going. And, and it helps them create products that are truly differentiated from their competitors. In most of these cases, with the exception of Walmart, in most of these cases, people would pay more to buy from this company than you and I would normally pay to buy these products. And, and that last bullet up here, products are rarely commodities, is so important because we want to st stop thinking about our products as commodities. Now, I, I do have to say that there's one question I get in class all the time when we teach this concept, and, and let's try to address it a little bit here, and that is how do people find their distinctive competencies? Everybody works in a company today, and inside that company, you're, you want to step back and say, do we have any distinctive competencies? What are they if we have them? One way you can do it is go ask people, why did you buy from us? So go ask your customers who purchased from you, what was the reason, why'd you buy? And not always, but oftentimes the answer to that question is your distinctive competency. I and mean, if I could bring this back to Pragmatic one more time, uh, almost always, okay, 80% of the time, when you ask somebody, why did you come to Pragmatic Marketing Training? They say, oh, because somebody else told me I should come here, right? Whether it was a past uh, student or their boss or somebody said, hey, this is a great course. You should go take this course. So what's our distinctive competency? It's the fact that, that we've trained most product managers that have taken training. And so if they're going to recommend somebody, it's going to be us because they know we do a great job. And that's a great point, because I think a lot of people hear great participation in the exercises, but they're thinking, oh, geez, it's easy if I have as big and impressive a distinctive competency as the companies we talked about, right, or it's so obvious. But it's hard. It's hard. Um, it takes discipline to do this exercise internally, and it's very important. Uh, and, and I think um, certainly if people have questions about how to do that or if they have follow-up questions about theirs and what that might mean, I know both of us would very much welcome them to reach out. Oh, absolutely. You can find us. You can email us. You can find us online. You can connect to us with LinkedIn, which now you know is one of Mark's favorite places to be. Uh, <laughs> and we'll be excited to see their bacon product next year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, this is great. Mark, any other, you know, if, if people today after watching this webinar, could do two things differently tomorrow, what would you have them do? I would have them, A, sit down and, and talk about what, what distinctive competency, competencies might we have or might we be able to create. And it's going to take a long time to do that. It won't be trivial. But absolutely, I would say that's the first conversation. And then if they're having problems piecing that together, step back and redo this exercise inside your company and say, hey, we've got a product here. What would it look like if Disney had this product? What would it look like if Zappos had this product? And you'll start to get ideas on things that you can do with your product, think, uh, ways you can differentiate your product, and hopefully maybe you can start to drive towards some distinctive competency. Great. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. And thank you, Mark, for the great discussion. But really, guys, thank you all for your wonderful ideas. There were so many more than we could even cover. Um, but I think you guys really made this uh, super engaging. So we definitely appreciate it. I laughed uh, a lot. It was I, fun. Well, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then hopefully it was both fun and helpful for everybody, too. Right? That's the goal, both. Uh, but please take a few minutes when you get the survey link tomorrow to let us know. Uh, what you liked, what you didn't like, what you'd like to see next time so we can keep working on this and making these webinars as uh, fun and informative and helpful as they can be. 
Uh, next month's webinar, June 28th, will be with Rod Griffith of Market Reach, and we're going to talk about mapping sales collateral and tools with the buyer's journey so that you can focus on the best way to accelerate your sales cycle. All right, that does it for this edition of Pragmatic Live. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. You are so welcome, and I love doing this. All right, and most of all, thank you all for joining us, and have a great rest of the week.